0: Offering for Dove Missions International. Uh, Peter. We have Peter Bunton here with us this morning. He's going to be speaking uh, about missions. He, uh, I'll introduce him a little bit later, uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and receive uh, an offering here in a minute or so. Cherie, would you come and just give your announcement here? There was an announcement that uh, we needed to get out here today, and then we'll do the video.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. So, I have a very, very, very important announcement for everyone. Apparently, according to the Christmas clock, there is 120 days, 13 hours, 47 minutes, and 9 seconds until Christmas. And all the Christmas people go, "Hooray!" It's hopefully it's still far enough away that that doesn't make you panic about all the food you need to make and gifts you need to buy. And instead, it gives you all the happy Christmas feels. So the reason I bring that up is because we are going to have this Christmas, for our Christmas Sunday morning service, a choir, a singing choir. Oh, yeah. So feel free to grab a friend and sign them up. There are sign-ups at the back table. Um, really, this vision came about because um, we've been doing children's worship seminars, and we just have a passion for kids to learn how to sing the different parts. Um, so we're not—it's not a sing-along. Touch your neighbor, say it's not a sing-along. We're actually going to be doing the parts. It's going to be—it's an—and it's not just for kids. So your child has to be at least in fourth grade. And then up to 110, you are needed and welcomed and invited. So if you know someone, you know how you sit next to someone in worship and if they're like a good singer, you're actually like, wow, they, they actually have a really good voice. I want you to help me out. Can you help me out? And just talk to them and be like, you know what? You have a really great voice. We want to do an awesome job with our choir this year. We want all the generations. So we want those fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Um, youth, I'm talking to you. Get a crew to represent for the youth and young adults. And I know the ladies are going to come out, but now I'm talking to all the men. We really need some of those deep, rich voices. So there's a sign-up sheet at the back. Um, It has all the dates. It's going to be about two practices a month, just immediately after church for like 20 to 30 minutes, so it's not a huge commitment. I would love to see your name on that sheet and help make our Christmas service something special. Thank you.
0: All right. Go ahead and run that video. All right. So if we can have the ushers come, and I just want to encourage you to take a moment and ask the Lord uh, what He would have you give. You know, in Dove International, we believe in missions. We believe in sending and going. And so, uh, as you know, as many of us are in jobs and and working uh, with our families, and and we're in one place, you know, we can send people. And the way we do that is through our finances. So uh, I just want you to ask the Lord if He would have a number that he would lay on your heart uh, for you to give to DMI uh, this year, and uh, as we do that, the ushers, you can go ahead and pass the baskets. All right. So as that's finishing up, would you join me in prayer? You know, believe it or not, uh, you are able to give to Dove Missions International all year long, not just this morning, right? So <laughs> uh, let's pray and ask the Lord uh, to bless this offering today. And then also, uh, if, if you have, uh, you know, sometimes people, I, I know I have different pockets to give out of, you know. Uh, and sometimes there's, there's funds that are set aside for special initiatives. And, and this would be one of those special initiatives that we can uh, get behind and support. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, uh, for today, the opportunity to give into Dove Missions International. God, we thank you for the work of sending missionaries throughout the world. Father, we thank you for the lives that are changed and the lives that are impacted with the news of the gospel And, God, we ask uh, as well that you would bless this offering, that you would multiply it. Father, we pray that we would exceed the $52,000 mark, Father, in Dove International, in Dove Missions. Father, uh, as combined from all the churches, and, Lord, we ask also that you would just continue to lead us in our giving. We thank you that all that we have belongs to you. And, Father, we thank you that you are the one who leads us and guides us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I want to introduce Peter Bunton. Uh, to us this morning, Peter, you can come and, and get ready here uh, as I speak and talk, but uh, many of you might know Peter, some of you might not. He is the director of Dove Missions International, and he also serves on the International Apostolic Council, and uh, for those of you who don't know, Shri and I bought his house yes. when, when we moved back from uh, South Africa. <laughs> that
2: was one crazy deal. That
0: was one crazy <laughs> deal, yeah, yeah, and so... Um, yeah, Peter's a good friend and a wonderful blessing to the Dove International family. And we are happy and honored to have you here this morning uh, to Thank speak you. to us about missions. So, good. Thank God you. bless you as you speak. Thank Let you. me pray
2: for you. Do you want to do Tim first? Yeah.
0: Like, yeah. Is yeah, that what we're going
2: to do? Sure. Is that what we're going to
0: do? Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> we, can, we can pray for Tim first. Okay. Uh, Tim Whitmer is heading to South Africa here in just over a week. Where is Tim? Hey. great so why don't you come up and if friends and family want to gather around him what we're going to do is we're going to commission him and send him here this morning uh, since we have peter bunton here with us so um tim what day are you heading out
2: Uh, labor day september 3rd labor day you're getting those cheap
0: flights on the holiday (laughs) (laughs) all right that's awesome man. that's the way to do it right there Uh Okay, uh, friends and family, you can just come and we're going to just lay hands on him and commission him out to South Africa as a nation and commission him into this time of uh, missions and internship. Peter, would you lead us in that?
2: Sure. love to do that. This is part of our internship program. We have uh, Christina from here in Guatemala and Tim and Maris heading to South Africa and next Sunday too to Germany. So God is moving our young people out to the nations and we want to get behind Tim especially this morning. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we stand here this morning as family, friends, church, as the missions office, and we acknowledge that you have spoken to this young man to go to the nations. You have called him down to South Africa at this time to serve you for youth and children and just so many needs there with the the church. And so we thank you. We thank you for Tim's obedience to take a step of faith. And we surround him with prayers at this time as we bless him. Father, would you protect him with traveling and planes and driving and all that stuff? Would you um, quickly enable him to adapt and adjust to life in South Africa? And Father, we pray for a a wonderful, fruitful time in these next six months. We pray for ministry to flow through Tim. Pray he would learn, he would stretch, he would grow. He would be able to give of what's in him to children and youth and those outside the church down in the Cape Town area. And you would use him. Your love would shine through him. And all that's within him, he could just, just give out to the people there. And I pray for fruit, Lord. I pray for transformed lives. I pray for people coming to Christ. I pray for a significant contribution to your kingdom in South Africa. And so we bless and send out him in the name of the Lord Jesus.
0: Amen. 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 Go Thanks, Tim. Go in the to him. grace
2: and the power of the Yes. The power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Forgot to pray for Mum and Dad. Sometimes it's hard for yeah. them when they <laughs> let the people go as well. Uh, God bless the family as you release him. Thank you. All
0: right, well, let me pray for yeah. you, and then you can go ahead. Father, thank you for Peter. Thank you for uh, the call and anointing on his life. Mm. Father, we thank you that your words will be spoken here yeah. this morning, and they would ring mm. true and ring well thank in each you, one Jesus. of our hearts. Thank you. God, we thank you for yeah. the grace upon Peter. Mm. Lord, to, in leading Dubb Missions International, Father, thank we you. open our hearts to receive from you today through him in Jesus' mm. name. And Amen. Say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Merle. Yes, so, well, thank you so much for that welcome. As uh, Merle said, I'm the director of Dove Missions, and it seems like one of my jobs in life is to sell my home to the missionaries when they return home, and I think my wife's putting a nix on that. We're not going to do that anymore, Fred, any- <laughs> <Okay. laughs> because there's a few more coming home soon, and we- <laughs> there's a limit to how many times we can move. So that was just the great, how the God orchestrated that, and uh, between Merle and Cherie, and ruth Ann and me, and... Um, God sometimes has got a sense of humour as well. Um, So thank you. We were part of the church for a while. In the last few years, we've been part of Sacred Journey, which really my wife Ruthann leads, and she's leading this morning, so she's not here. It sounds like you're finishing up a series on freedom. We've been doing a whole series on the Trinity and how we can join in the relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and it's our last morning. So bless them there as they study that. And I still haven't done my church homework. We have reading to do, so I should go home afterwards and read the final chapter of the book and uh, uh, join in with my church there. So great to be here, and thank you for your commitment to missions. I want to say that. I've been asked to speak on missions, and make it a mission Sunday, but thank you. You've already given generously this morning. Um, People are going out. It's, It's been so funny this year in my office. I, you know, aptly applications come through for different things, and I feel like I've been giving, you know, Merle and Cherie and Alan and David a a job in reference writing. There's so many people from Newport they've had to help get out there, and it's got to the stage, sometimes I get a fresh application and I go, oh, it's Newport, what's Alan going to say now, you know, and it's like, I, I say to him, I feel like my job is to get like half of your congregation overseas this year, okay, And I guess I shouldn't apologise about it. It's the way it's happened. You're obviously mission-minded. God's doing things. So my role is to get people out. And uh, I know what it can be like to say goodbye, but it seems like God is doing so. Let's accept it. And I've decided I'm not going to feel sorry for Alan anymore. I'm just going to take his congregation. And so we've got Christina out there in Guatemala and Tim, and we've got people wanting to go to Scotland. We had many from this church on the team to Barbados and our EMT youth camp this year, and so praise God for you and what he's doing. It's a fresh day, and it's a fresh generation, and that's why we're doing this. We want to speak to a fresh generation about God's call to the nations, yes? And we've got to put that in front of our people and say, would you find your place in what God is doing in the world today? And so I'm going to give a talk today, and I've entitled it here, A Tale of Two Kingdoms which may not sound very missions but stay with me, and hopefully this will make sense. The Tale of Two Kingdoms. Now, the really literary ones among you will notice an allusion to Charles Dickens. I've got some people nodding. People here know Charles Dickens. Wow. See, I knew you were a literary group, not only missions-minded. You're obviously well-read in English literature, And the opening, I think this is one of the great opening sentences of a novel in English from Charles Dickens. And he wrote a book called A Tale of Two Cities, okay, in 1859. "'It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness.'" And I just thought, wow, that kind of sums up really what I feel is going on right now. You know, this novel of Charles Dickens, 100 and whatever, you know, 50 years ago. That On the one hand, there's incredible things happening. We've got these, these precious young people doing missions in Barbados and South Africa and Scotland. We've got churches being planted around the world. We've got significant things happening, testimonies, and God is moving, and we know just how much the church is growing. Right now, the statistics show about one in six people on this earth are really believe in Christians. And that's a phenomenal kind of ratio compared to what it was. And I travel a lot. Merle and others travel. And you go to places where they're just massive churches or just lots and lots of small ones. I was in Myanmar I mean, this last year, I think it's back in October, and we were out in these little villages in Myanmar, used to be Burma, and just a young couple, just early 20s, saying, we're moving here because God has told us to reach the children and start a church. And it's unreached. There's Muslims, there's you know, mainly Buddhists in, in Myanmar, but other you know, um, religions as well, and no Christians, and God is compelling people to go to these unreached places and share the love of Christ. So we see all that, but we know the world's pretty messed up as well. And I thought, well, I don't want to depress you, but you just think of the news in the last few years, the last few years, the last few weeks, the last few days. Um, There's just stuff, I mean, these are the forest fires out in California, you know, and places, some of the worst fires and natural disasters happening around the world, you know, things are pretty tough, people are dying, people are losing their homes, we think of nuclear weapons and treaties and international politics and fear and, you know, like saber rattling and politicians, you know, talking to each other about wars and things like that, it's a crazy world. For those of you don't know, well you know one person is there. The other person is the Canadian Prime Minister. You know, alliances and nations—they're—they're in trade wars and putting up tariffs and barriers and those things that for decades have um, we've kind of accepted. Things are changing in the world. There's a lot of stirring up. Uh, Just news: some of the children here in the U.S. being you know taken at the border from their families. It's been huge in the news. There are all these issues and debates and uh, just stuff going on that is is just, you know, requires some solution. This one, Syria, this one just just gets me. I mean, there are different reports. One we saw, there was about 20,000 children killed in, in Syria. And I mean, I didn't put some of the pictures up because I thought I don't want to, you know, be unduly, what's the word, sensationalist or something. But, you know, people digging their children out of rubble. I mean, 20,000 kids in the bombing and the fighting that's going on in that that nation. And so God's, God's working. We see these things, and yet we just turn on our TVs, don't we? Or we read the newspaper or something or go on a website, and it's bad, okay? It's the best of times, and it's the worst of times. It's absolutely horrible, and yet there's phenomenal things happening. And so... A kingdom clash, really, a tale of two kingdoms. There is this kingdom of darkness, and we know the characteristics. You know, death. Satan, the enemy, loves to bring death. Destruction. Destruction of people's lives and homes and their relationships and marriages and families torn apart and abuse. This is the work of the enemy. Deception, falsehoods, hatred, wars, you know, civil wars going on. This is the work of the enemy. This isn't God, okay, friends. There's nothing about God in these things. This is the work of the enemy, the kingdom of darkness. And in case we're trying to think, well, you know, we're living in the worst possible times... We need to reflect, it's pretty much been like this for a long while. If you were alive a few hundred years ago, uh, back in you know, 1300s, 1400s, the Black Death swept across Asia and Europe. A third of the population died of the plague. Okay, so that must have seemed pretty bad. Uh, we know there have been genocides in Armenia. We think of World War II, you know, six million Jews killed. Or under Stalin, 20 million Russians killed within about a 20 year period by the leader of their nation and his policies. Uh, we know about slavery here in America, African Americans, but slavery elsewhere in the world. Persecution of churches. Many here come from an Anabaptist background. We know. People have literally been killed or fled to other nations because of their faith in Christ. So I don't want to say, as I mentioned this, that this is like the worst possible times. Satan's been doing his thing for a while, for a pretty long while. And so, um, I'll skip past that. Well, I was thinking more of a personal thing. My um, parents, I'm from London, my parents as children, really, in London during World War II. My mother, every night for about three years, slept in a bomb shelter in the backyard. This isn't actually them and my family. And I remember my mother saying, you know, we didn't have a childhood when every night you're hearing bombs dropping around you, wondering if you're going to be there or your house, and coming out and checking on your neighbours that they're still alive. That's not much of a childhood. Okay. So some of my family have been through some of those things. So we see the work of the enemy, and sometimes we think, where is God? (laughs) What is God doing? And these are not new questions either. You read through the Old Testament how many times the Hebrew people were like, God, where are you? You know, the Assyrians were coming in. They were, you read, you know, Amos. You read some of these books about um, destruction and foreign armies coming in like locusts and destroying. You read lamentations after the people of Israel have been, you know, captured and the people lamenting. They've lost Jerusalem. They're taken off to Babylon. And so throughout history, people have asked this question, where is God and what is God doing? But, and that's a good question, but in some ways there is an answer. God is in the hearts and the hands of his people. Okay. Where is God? Well, God dwells in us, doesn't he? <laughs> We talk about, you know, we use phrases like accepting Jesus into our hearts. But whatever we mean, it's it's us coming to God, surrendering to him and allowing him to dwell within us. So we say, where is God? God is here in a pretty powerful way. Even this morning, he's here sitting inside, I don't know, you know, 150 people or how many are here. He's in, you know... Dove Westgate, he's in believers in the Lutheran Church and the Pentecostal Church up the road. God is present in this world, and He's chosen to dwell in us. And this scripture there in First Peter, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. So Scripture says we've been set apart. Sorry, maybe I should come up here a bit more. We've been set apart as a special people. Why? So we've been brought into the light, and why are we in the light? So we can reflect it to this world. Yes, where is God? He's in us, and He's shining through us. He's using us—our words, our demeanour, our conversations, our acts to other people, to show his presence in the world. So God is present all over the world, especially in his people. And what is God doing? Well, God is working out his purposes. That's what the scripture says. It doesn't matter about fires in California and trade disputes and warfare and refugees and all these issues. The scripture does say God is working out his purposes. Okay, whatever it looks like, he's working out his purposes. And this wonderful verse that I come back to in those times when I want to say, and I, I mentioned Syria, I'm not, I don't want to like brag on myself, but I, I don't know, I've, if I say I've prayed for Syria a hundred times, I don't think I'm exaggerating. It's just been a nation on my heart, the children there in the civil war, and I've prayed for Syria in Syria, and sometimes you want to say, God, you know, what's going on? But the scripture says... For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It doesn't say, well, one day it might be, or one day if, you know, the United Nations brings about peace, whatever, here and there, or it might be if, you know, Syria doesn't do this and Russia doesn't do this. It says it will be filled with the knowledge of God's glory. God has an ultimate plan and destiny for us, this planet, and the peoples on it, that we would know him, that there is access to him, that people know about God all over the world, all the different tribes. Okay, All the, the tribes will have an understanding of who God is and the glory that he brings. So it seems like we look at the world and think, yeah, there's good things, but there's horrible things going on. Where are you, God? But God says, You're a people. I've brought you into the light. He says, I'm working out my purposes, that my glory will spread throughout the earth. So God says that. So we're in this kind of phase, this season. We have this promise of God, and yet we have to face the realities in which we're in. And this um, next uh, uh, quotation I'll mention, in some ways I didn't want to do it because I don't want to spread something that isn't faith because God can do anything, and he can do anything quickly. And there are wonderful times when God just shows up aren't there? I've done some things this year. We just tried something and boom, boom, it fell into place and it was great. And you think, praise, the, praise God for that. But there are other times when it takes a long while. I remember working on a project in the past and we were trying to get all these people to do this and go to nations. And, you know, it didn't happen in the timescale and we kept going and it took years longer than we thought. But in the end, God did it and he saw all these people serving in missions. It just took longer. And sometimes it's like that. And I personally have been quite touched by re- uh, reading some of this man. Some of you might know him, a Frenchman, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who really worked uh, during World War I, the 1920s, 30s, and World War II. And he was a French minister, and he's written some wonderful books and poetry. Um, and he was there. On the battlefields of World War I with the sick and the dying, and praying with them, and then through all the crises in the years that followed, and then the world was at war again, and he was back there and he was dealing with death and destruction, and you know, the people these questions, what's going on? And he simply said this to his people Above all, trust in the slow work of God. And he was saying, yes, yeah, sometimes God shows up, sometimes there are miracles, sometimes there's all kinds of wonderful stuff and we need to believe for that. But sometimes we just have to realize God is working out his purposes in this world. Okay? And we have to sit back with a sense of faith and trust in him. So there's this tale of two kingdoms. There's the evil, the darkness, and then there's the light. There's God choosing his people to reflect the light. There's God working out his purposes and our trusting him in his time. Now, I talked about the kingdom of darkness, but what's the kingdom of light like? Well, I just put a few things there on the screen. What are the characteristics? Well, love, joy, peace, kindness, the scripture says, In Galatians, talks about the fruits of the Spirit, the self control and the kindness of love coming through God's people. Reconciliation, forgiveness. And this uh, verse there in um, the book of Luke, uh, I wanted to uh, specifically reference this morning. Um, This is one of what's called the, the commissioning statements of the New Testament. Uh, There are usually we take that there are five statements of Jesus which are a commission to his people. The one we use the most is at the end of uh, Matthew's Gospel and go into the world and make disciples of all all peoples, all nations. But in Luke, some of the final words of Jesus um, say this, and the screen is so far away, I'm going to put my glasses on at this point. (laughs) Jesus said to them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high." One of these final statements of Jesus. Now in Matthew, Jesus says we're to make disciples of the nations. It's the goal. In Mark, he talks about preaching. Okay, the method we do it. In John, he sends them out in the same way he's been sent, in the spirit. So it talks about the manner in which we do mission. Here in Luke, the words of Jesus focus on what? The very content of the message of the Great Commission. And what is it? There's going to be a preaching and speaking of repentance and forgiveness of sins. Okay, so Jesus here is focusing on what are we going to say as we go out and reflect God, and he homes in on and seems to focus on this message of forgiveness and repentance. Now it's interesting. I think I heard from was it Danielle or someone that you've been doing a series on. Freedom and, and so on. Uh, was it freedom? Was that the word you used? Or Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's interesting. The Greek word for forgive is aphesin um, or affin. There's different forms as to how it's used grammatically, which we translate as forgive. But it really means to untie, to let go, to set free, to deliver, to liberate. That's what the, mer- the words means there in Luke um, and chapter four. The central message is forgiveness of sins, which is untying, freeing, delivering, and letting go. Okay, so if we want to know what God is doing, I've said He's in us and He's working out His purposes. But the central message He has given us is one of freedom, okay, one of letting go and untying delivering people. And I like that. It's, it's liberation. That's what the whole Christian gospel is about. Now, of course, we've seen People and churches and things within us, we can end up with all kinds of stuff that is the opposite of freedom, and even in the church, you know you can have rules and regulations, but it 's really about freedom and letting go, and we need to realize that 's the central message of Christ. We were in our church, we were doing some Bible discussion or whatever just a few months ago, and we were reading some passages, and people talked about how it could make them feel condemned and whatever these passages and I was saying, no, we need to understand the Bible must be interpreted in the light of freedom. It's all about God trying to untie us and get us freedom. So passages, yes, there are things that are wrong. Yes, there are things we shouldn't do. Yes, there are times when God has to point out sin. But even that is for the purpose of freedom and untying and letting go. And if we're reading things and getting condemned, we're not quite getting the whole reason why that passage is there in Scripture. And it was like the light was dawning on people. We interpret scriptures through the lens of freedom and liberation because that's the central message. How can we untie people from the kingdom of darkness and let them go? That's what we are to do. The kingdom of light is about freedom. And I thought I'd just show a few uh, photos here from missions and churches around the world as part of this. This is a city gate in the city of Dwarka in northwest India, where I was a while back. I didn't take this picture. But on the city gate, they write, I think it's on Hindi on one side and then like English on the other side, how the city is dedicated to this certain God and a prayer to their Lord Krishna and so on. How they dedicate their city to this God. So we have a city, and you know, from a mission, we were there. And from a missionary perspective, this is kind of nice because you don't have to pray for discernment about what the ruling stronghold is. <laughs> you don't. You, they tell you there, and they write it in English as you walk into the city. True. So it kind of makes it easy for a missionary, really, in that situation. You don't need a gift of discernment. They tell you. So that, that's nice. So, so we're there in, in, um, in Dwarka, okay, and though I joke, it's the Kingdom of Darkness. I mean, this is one of the main, um, what do you call it, statues or idols. It's actually not inside the city gate. It, it, it's outside. It's this huge garden. People go, a uh, statue of one of their who they believe to be a garden idol, and people go there on pilgrimage and so on. And, You think, this is darkness, okay? This is darkness. And if I told you more about the history of it, it is just so gruesome. I probably won't go into it today. Um, It's darkness, but what's God wanting to do? Again, he wants to bring his kingdom of light. We stood there as 11 or 12 people, and we took communion. We celebrated. We felt it was important in front of that statue to say, the Lord Jesus has come in the flesh, he has died for the sins and he has risen and is now alive. And we need to proclaim it here. So we worshipped and celebrated communion as part of bringing the kingdom of light to this place. Some of our Dove um, church leaders in India, they're not in that city, Emmanuel and Jesse, but they've planted churches They work among lepers. I mean, there are still almost like leper colonies and villages in India up in the mountains. And they go up there and they help them with medicine and, you know, feed them and just bring the kingdom of light where there is so much darkness. I know you as a church love and support Amos and Grace more in Kenya. You see, where is God? Well, He's in Amos and Grace. What is He doing? He's working out His purposes through them through our friends in India, and so on. And so who are missionaries? Okay, I thought we'd get Tim in there again on a, a photo. Missionaries who are people who go to another land to take the light and the love and the presence of God because God is in them. So we're called to build the kingdom where we are in our communities and our cities and outreach, and we take that very seriously. But sometimes God is calling people to go elsewhere to do that. And often the places, really, they're far worse condition than we have here, you know, in terms of poverty and health and spiritually and materially in every way. So a missionary who's someone who knows they've got the light of God within them, the power of God within them, and they go to another place to serve the Lord and bring more of the kingdom of light. These photographs are actually just in June, was it? We had EMT, we had a you know, youth training camp. We were sending young people there to Colombia and to Haiti and just praying to send people out. This is missions. This is the kingdom of light. And of course, we have missionaries in different places, just in Rwanda in Germany. They have just graduated their first people. They work in this whole area of human trafficking. When women want to leave, they rehabilitate them training. They've just had their first graduates who've come from that whole thing and gone through training and just come out the other side Freedom, okay? It's literal freedom there. The gospel is about giving people freedom. In their situation, many of the people are actually Nigerian who are trafficked into Europe and just, you know, horrible circumstances. Joel and Marion, some of you know. Really, their church is over in New Holland, new life there, working really where Merle and Cherie was down in, um, in the Cape Town area. Um, some of the youth there, Merle might recognize some of these people. I was there last year sometime in May, and they wanted a photo with me. They kind of thought I was someone famous, I think. It was very funny. So <laughs> these kids, they're out in the community and in the city. And um, anyway, they, for some reason... They need their photo with me, but just these precious people, you know, Joel and Marion are being missionaries, just as Mel and Sheree were. They're out there. They're bringing light where there is darkness. Dan and Regina in uh, Zambia. I know the youth here uh, support uh, some children there out in Zambia, in, in southern Africa, bringing light. Uh, Clarissa, a young woman, she's from um, the Fireplace Church over in Meistern. She's out in Australia, but she's taking teams of young people up to Indonesia and India and just taking people from that part of the world into missions. Okay. What's God doing? Well, he's... Uh, You know, he's just sending out ordinary people with his gospel. Now, to me, that raises a question, though. I've said, if you know, we are God's people, we are God's light to take his light. But what exactly does that mean? What exactly does that mean? And I just thought I'd mention three things this morning. How do we show the world what God is like? And I'm going to mention three things. Proclamation, power, and compassion. And if I was a bit more intelligent, I could have come up with a third P and got all the alliteration correct, but I didn't. The, the literacy teachers, you should be pleased, at least I know what alliteration is, even if I can't do it. Anyway, <laughs> proclamation, power, and <laughs> compassion. I think ultimately, if I were to just sum things up, I think that's what the gospel is about, the three things that we need to do as we take God and his light to the world. Proclamation really is telling. At the end of the day, we have to tell people. We have to communicate with people. Now, it's not necessarily standing preaching like I'm doing now. It could be other things here in the summer in Colombia. Our young people were doing dramas, or here they're doing some kind of game or illustration out in the squares and parks of Medellin, Colombia, which was a, a very much a, a drug center, and God is doing things there, and we got a privilege to be part of it. We have to proclaim that. We can never get away from that. How can they call on one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news from the book of Romans. There has to be, how can people hear? Well, someone has to tell them. Okay. Whether it's preaching, whether it's literature, whether it's dramas on the street, whatever it is, there's got to be that communication of who Jesus is. Remember, Jesus said there's going to be a message of what? Repentance and forgiveness of sins. And that has to be proclaimed. We can't shy away from that. But of course, there are many ways to do that with technology and so on. Also in Colombia, Juan Pablo, a leader there, just as people gathered, you know, they're sitting on the floor there in some, you know, park and he's sharing with them. This is the work of taking God's light to the world. So proclamation. Some of us find that easier. Some people are natural evangelists. I get it. I'm not a natural evangelist. Some people are, you know. I've sat with people who just whatever. Uh, you know, one friend of mine got a missed connection or a late connection at a flight or whatever, and they threw, instead of, they kept the plane for her and they had this special airport car waiting for her and, you know, kind of, she jumped in and they whizzed around the airport runway to get to this other plane and whatever. And I'd be thinking, oh, where's my luggage? Is my luggage, can make it. And in that, you know, 60-second speed drive across the airport runway, she shared the gospel with the guy driving the car. And I think, how do you do that? I mean, she told him about, you know, trusting God in her life. And I'm just thinking, how do you do that? (laughs) I'd be worried about my luggage, you know. But she's an evangelist, and she just somehow has this gift. She can turn every conversation, or more or less every conversation with an unbeliever to the subject of God. She just does it so naturally, and it's just natural, you know. And great, praise God for that. And some of us are not evangelists, but we still have to proclaim. We still have to talk to our neighbours, our colleagues. We still look for those opportunities where we share truth, where we share life, where we share light and love with them. Proclamation. Some of you do it through dance or music uh, or other you know, use of technology. And praise God for that. I think the second thing is we must realise, and we can't get away from, the gospel is also a message about power. And we need that, don't we? Because I've talked about the power of darkness, the natural disasters and diseases, and the wars and the political strife. There are powers going on there. But Scripture says this: Paul said, "My message and my preaching was not one. My glasses again. Was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power." So however weak we feel, however incapable, we need to realize there is a God of power. If God's in us, that's the God of power. That's the God who created this world. That's the God who rose the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And he's in me. Where I go, that power goes. And so we need to be open to not just words, but the power of God. And I put those photos up. Those aren't exactly the people, but I remember being in this in, in Asia in this one basically unreached village, and it felt like the words weren't getting through. You know, have you ever felt you talk to someone and you just know it, they're not listening, it's not getting through, it's not getting through. And then we started to have words of knowledge about conditions, and people responded. And we prayed for people, and we prayed for the sick. These were Buddhists, I think, mostly Buddhists in northeastern Thailand. And Somehow, in the midst of that, the words weren't getting through, but the power of God showed up. And it was like you could cut through the atmosphere. Suddenly, this silence and no response and almost resistance. Suddenly, there was a buzz in the air. There was a literal buzz and people came forward and wanted to talk. And would you pray for me? And something opened up through that presence of God in power. So we proclaim but we realize we also need the power of God to go about his mission task today. And then the third one is really compassion. It's wonderful when we see the healings and when we see the miracles, we should believe for them. But sometimes we're just there for the long haul and it's that love and compassion over months and years. That's what speaks to people. That's what speaks to them. We're not just jetting in and out. We're there for the long haul. On the, the photograph on the left is in Rwanda. Some of you might recognise Hezbollah Dindo there in the, the middle. And um, <clears throat> they're in Rwanda and the the churches of there have done a number of things. They've started this kind of school and outreach to the Local children, and um, that's a photograph there. Uh, A few years ago, we did our annual Dove Missions children's offering, and we sent money there. You in this church, your children gave some money to the children in Rwanda that they could be given a hope. And to restore them, it's not just one prayer. It's years of love. It's years of nurturing. It's years of mentoring, of teaching and training that they would grow up to be men and women of God that they are meant to be in uh, Eastern and Central Africa. So words of compassion. This is just very recent. This year, uh, we raised money to uh, the churches for uh, Myanmar formerly Burma, in Asia, and I think this church raised about $700 or so, I think I remember. You were fantastic. Your children did this in your children's classes, and these are the children who've received it. Okay, these are orphans, and the church there, where they're living is basically under the church. The church kind of meets on a second floor building, and on the first floor, they've made a couple of rooms with bunks for children to stay and have a kitchen, And uh, that in front of them is some kind of like electric transformer. That's one of the things they wanted for the money. It's not a generator. It's some way of converting electricity so they have, you know, light and power and so on, as well as uh, towels and, and clothes. You as a church, your children have supported this work of compassion. And that's what's needed there. There are the church planters. There are those proclaiming the gospel, and I've been with them. And there are those alongside that who are showing the love of Christ by their very deeds and actions. So proclaim the power of God and the compassion of God. I'm just going to grab something here. That leads to really, I think, to a logical question. So God, what is my part in this? For better organised, I would have this with me at the beginning, but there you go. <laughs> what is my part in this? Clearly, some of us are meant to go. We've just prayed for Tim, a young man who's going to the nations. We've sent out Christina in the last um, months, who, who's great, by the way. She's a gem. Just talking with her recently, she, she's doing a great job there. We're sending people to the nation. Some are called to go. And I just want to put that out there. You know, What is God saying to you, whatever stage you're at in life? Should you be going somewhere? For some, it's long-term. For some, it's short-term. It's a team. Just had a team in Barbados. Next year, we're going to be doing some medical work in Kenya and Uganda, God willing. Other teams will be forming. Some of you, maybe you've never been, and maybe God's stirring within you, you know, maybe in this next 12 months, I should commit. I should commit to use my skill to serve in the nations of the world. So it's going. And of course, it's giving. You have, We've just had an offering, and thank you for that. And the finances are part of it. And you know, I know what, I know what it's like to get all the letters asking for money. Probably in my job, I... I would think I see more than anyone else, but who knows? I certainly sit there every month and Hillary now is going to be working with us and I see the accounts and we send missionaries money and I see how it's down this month and I, you know. So, like, I get it. And I know what it's like to have had your sixth request for missionary support come through in the same month or two months. I get it. But we can't deny the fact that's part of it. Okay. that resourcing of people to go. And some of us, that's the role. I mean, I know a precious business near here who just gave several thousand dollars to missions from their business. And I'm like, praise God, I'm glad they're blessed and have made profit and they're giving it some to the nations of the world. What's God saying to me? What's God saying to, to us? Can we remain open-hearted and generous and not get somehow hardened when the requests come that's all i ask and i know what it's like i know what it's like to just want to throw the letter away but just stop and say god okay this is a precious person doing a precious work i just gave to this and this but do you want me to give to this as well you know just to be open-hearted uh, to god in our giving and prayer i, I just don't I think it's easy to underestimate. I showed you a photograph of uh, Rowan and Justin Schrum there in Germany. They're in Karlsruhe, Germany. And they work, they literally go into the brothels, especially the the women on their their team. They have a a kind of a coffee house where some of the people in the sex industry come and share with them. They have a safe house where people who want to leave that industry can go, and it needs to be unknown, because there's hardened criminal gangs and mafia-type gangs and and that around. They do all this wonderful work, but they they know they're on the foundation of something because they're in Karlsruhe, Germany, and they didn't know this for a while. But six years before they went, a group of German Christians said, we have to pray for our city. We have to pray about the trafficking and the sex industry in this city. And this team got together and basically almost every week for six years, they went to the red light district, they prayed. They prayed almost weekly, six years. They prayed and prayed and prayed for God to intervene in this situation. And one, I think it was Thursday evenings they used to pray. But So after six years, they were praying one evening and the team said, it's time to stop. We've prayed our prayers. So they decided to stop praying at that point. What they didn't know was about four days later, Justin and Rowan Shrum arrived in that city from the USA to begin a ministry to help bring freedom, that word again, to the women in the sex industry in Karlsruhe. And it took them a while to find out. So Justin and Rowan see incredible things, but they know... They're on the base, their foundation of six years faithful intercession by local people, who had a vision for freedom for the women in that city. So prayer isn't just an afterthought. It's not just something we do. Prayer affects the, the nations. At times, if there's an issue, you know, gather as a church, gather as your cell group, pray for your missionaries, engage in prayer because it does have an effect. The prayer of the righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. And I can almost objectively prove to you so many situations that have changed because people have prayed and we only find out afterwards just how much how effective that prayer has been. So some, I just want to issue that call again. Some of you going, some of you go. Pray, consider should you be on a team, what you should be doing, giving. Maybe prayer. And even as a cell group, you know, I've known cell groups in some churches, just what they call adopt a missionary, for want of a better word. Think, yeah, there's a lot of things out there. We're going to just focus on this one. We're going to pray for this one. We're going to send them a care package. You know, we're going to send them a box of Christmas gifts for the kids. They just do practical acts of kindness and pray. When they come back, they welcome them. They, you know, stock their closet with groceries or whatever. Sometimes, as a cell group, it can be part of your strategy of engaging in the world in some practical way. So I've talked about two kingdoms, kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Where is God? He's in us. What is he doing? He's working out his purposes of spreading the knowledge of his glory to the world. And missionaries are part of that, and we can do as well. Give, go, pray, send. Why do we do it? I want to ask that question. Why do we do it? And there's a reason I have this photograph up. I say we keep on going because of God's relentless love. His relentless love for me. His relentless love for you and the peoples of the world. Anyone know who these people are? Some of you might recognise this tribe. These are the Maasai people of eastern Africa, largely Tanzania, some in Kenya. I don't think there are any in Rwanda, but anyway. The Maasai people. And they're known for wearing bright red. They have these kind of blankets and shawls and things like that. They're kind of a warrior uh, people. They're known for wearing bright red. And I thought I would just tell you a little story about the Maasai. And this is one of my favorite books. It's called Christianity Rediscovered by Vincent Donovan. I don't know if anyone knows it. Christianity Rediscovered. Vincent Donovan comes from a place called Pennsylvania, USA. And he went to Tanzania to live among the Maasai people. So you think, well, you know, who's gonna be a missionary? Well, Pennsylvanians can be missionaries. I mean Vincent Donovan did it for quite a few years. Comes from he's actually from the Pittsburgh area. I guess that doesn't count. Pittsburgh's not really, you know. <laughs> any Steelers fans here are mine. <laughs> He's from the Pittsburgh area, um, and Donovan went out in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And I love that. This is, a, this is kind of his writing. And it's, he went, he thought, to tell the Maasai people about God. And he realized for quite a long while, quite a while, he had to figure out a couple of things. First of all, the message he was bringing was full of American ideas and American culture. So he has to spend quite a time realizing what's Jesus and what is America. So he had to do that. Then he also had to realize, well, what am I teaching them that Is just church tradition and the way the church does it? And what is the gospel? Maybe the Maasai people don't have to do it like we do. So he went through this profound change, as so many missionaries do. You go there full of enthusiasm, and you realize you have to leave your own culture, leave your own church traditions, because you just have to get back to Jesus. And what does it mean to bring Jesus to these people? And so it's a beautiful, honest account. But I love this, talking about the relentless of God. So Vincent Donovan was talking with these people, and there are a lot of lions around, Lions obviously kill wild animals there, and then the Masai people go out on a lion hunt, and they want to kill them, and it's like, I know people here love to go out deer hunting, and you, have, you lie on the ground and have your rifle. Well, it's not like that. <laughs> they have spears and daggers, and they chase the thing, and it's not some little bambi, it's a lion who might turn around and jump on you. And so they go on the, <laughs> you like that one. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and so they go on the lion hunt. And one of the things Vincent Donovan had been talking to them about was this whole understanding of lions that they had. And he was talking about following God and the kingdom of God, and you've got to search God. And they were talking about, it's like a lion. When a lion's going after its prey, its ears prick up, it gets a scent, and it locks into it, and it stalks it, and it looks for the best thing, and then it goes through it, and it looks for the right place to get its paws into it, or its bite it, and it's... It's so focused on catching that antelope or whatever it is, what its prey is. And he was talking with the Maasai about following God like that. You've got to lock in to God. You've got to search. You've got to be active. You've got to pursue God and his kingdom. And so they were having these discussions about lions because that's what their culture was about. And after a while, the Maasai turned around to him and said to him, You know, you've talked about lions. You've talked about uh, locking onto your prey. you talked about us pursuing God like a lion. But they said, you know, we did not search you out. Talking to the man from Pennsylvania, we didn't search you out. In fact, we didn't even want you to come. He said, we didn't want you to come to us, but you searched us out. That's what a missionary does. You searched us out. You followed us away from your house. Of course, they've never been to the USA. You came away from your house and followed us into the bush, into the plains, into the steppes where our cattle are, into the hills where we take our cattle for water, into our villages and into our homes. You told us of the high God how we must search for him, how we must even leave our land and our people to find him. But, you know, we have not done this. We haven't left our land. We haven't done that search. God has searched for us. He searched us out and found us. And this is the line that Messiah said to him, all the time we've been thinking we are the lion, in the end, the lion is God. And they hadn't read C.S. Lewis. <laughs> they didn't know about Aslan and the one in the They were trying to communicate the gospel. We've got to be like a lion going after its prey. That's how we, we seek God. And then suddenly the revelation came. No, it's God's the lion. He sought us. He has been relentless in his pursuit of us, so relentless. He spoke to a man in Pennsylvania, USA, who came, I think he spent 17 years living in the bush and the steps with the Maasai people. God is a lion who relentlessly pursues his prey. And you read that and think that's profound theology from a people with no church background, no Christian history, the Brown theology. No, we don't follow God. God seeks us. We submit to who he is. So why do we do missions? Because of God's relentless love for me, for the people, of the Maasai people, the people in India, the Mexicans, all over the world. As the Holy Spirit came on the Gentiles, Peter said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. God has no favorites. There's no nation, no people that he likes more than others. He has no favoritism. He's relentlessly pursuing us wherever we are in the world. You know, people say, do I have a call to missions? And one of my last points, I think I just want to say, I don't think we need to seek a call to missions. We all have it already. It's a question of what is my part in that call. Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. That didn't just apply to Peter and you know Matthew a couple of thousand years ago. It just doesn't apply to Tim who's going to South Africa, or to you know um, who you know Rebecca going to Germany. This applies to us all. We just need to know our part in it. It's not a heavy thing. It's not a guilt thing. It's just realizing God's relentless love for us and all people and how I'm to respond to that. So I would just like to finish with some really personal response to God in all of this, the tale of two kingdoms. We're in the kingdom of light. We have a call What's my part in it to be? Um, I think we, we had some musicians who were prepared to, to come back and just lead us in some reflection and worship back to God. So if, that would be great if you could do that, just for, just for a moment. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I think the question is, what is God saying to me? What's God saying to you, your family, or your cell group here today? I say it's not guilt. It's not a wrong kind of uh, obligation. It's, God, is there anything you want to say to me today? So let's just have a moment, if you'd like, to pray something at play, and I'll just pray and see if God would speak to us. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Yes, Father, I thank you for this church. Um, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the missionary heart, the giving, the prayer, the, the people who are going, Father. Thank you what you are doing in this congregation. And Father, I just pray for us all, for that greater sense of you as the lion who relentlessly pursues us. That sense of we don't have to make things happen. We don't have to work in our own flesh. It's you who pursues us and then works through us. So I pray for all my brothers and sisters this morning. I pray for that fresh understanding of you, the lion, the power of God, who's got a hold of us and works through us. And I pray, I pray for that that power to flow through this congregation. I pray for Holy Spirit anointed words with colleagues and neighbours and in the community. I pray for those opportunities to pray and see the power of God. I pray, Lord, for works of compassion and justice that will show this place, this community, who you are like. And we continue to pray for the missionary thrust of this church to expand and multiply and grow. There'll be many nations touched by Newport Church here in Elm, Pennsylvania. There'll be lives transformed in Africa and Asia and South America, Lord. We pray for an increased missionary anointing in prayer and giving. Lord, raise more money, Lord. Cause more intercession to come about, Lord. May nations be changed through the prayer of this church and pray that people will go. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And this morning, I just, in a moment of silence, pray you would speak to any of us. Not to uh, do a heavy one. If there's anything for each of us to respond, would you make that clear Uh, in this moment of quiet, Lord? Speak to us. Anything fresh for my life, my family. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. feel what we should pray for in this. is just some, any concrete steps, practical steps to come from this. So I'm not going to ask you to share specifics, but if you feel God showed you something, would you stand? Because I want to join my faith with you. It could be you should go on a team. It Maybe it's you feel you should give financially to a missionary. You know, I Join some work or outreach ministry. If If you feel anything stirring in your heart, do you want to stand? I'm not going to have you come forward or say anything, but just stand so we can really seal that in prayer today. Anyone feel any specific uh, response uh, that God is, is speaking of you this morning? Thank you. Just thank you, Lord. Mm. Yeah, engage in help and outreach or give or have group pray regularly. Whatever it is, if you feel there's something, just stand and we want to seal it. Thank you, Lord. you. Mm, Thank you, Father. Mm. Well, Father, we do, uh, as a God of love and light, we do pray for what uh, your work to be accomplished here this morning. Uh, For those who that sense something from you, I pray for them. I pray that they would know what it is. I pray they could have the capacity or the discipline or whatever it is to follow through. I pray they could obey that step you're calling them, whatever it is, Uh, those specific things you are doing for the furtherance of your kingdom through this body. So those who stand, we bless them. We pray they would have clarity and that whatever that step is, they would be able to take and have a grace to take it. And I pray through them and their obedience, your purposes in this world be accomplished in the name of jesus christ amen thank you thank you thank you jesus i think uh, finally um, really just to say uh, it's been a joy being here with you um, i'm here if anyone wants to talk uh, about anything i said or if you feel god's stirring something come talk to me your church leaders or. If you just want some prayer, hey, you know, I need some discernment or something about finding what God wants for you, we're here, uh, Merle and others, and uh, myself, we'll happily talk with you, pray for you um, later this morning. But thank you for letting me come. Thank you, Merle. Thank you.
0: Amen. Thank you, Peter. Can you give Peter a hand this morning? He did such a good job. I think it's so significant to, to have, you know, this message on missions and really on uh, setting others free and, you know, the gospel and, and proclamation of that after our freedom series, because that's part of God's heart is not only that we be free, but then also we become vessels to carry that freedom to others as well. Amen. So we're going to have prayer ministers up here. Can we all stand together? Uh, we're going to have prayer ministers up here. If you would like to speak Uh, To Peter, uh, he will be up here available to speak to you about uh, things that maybe God has put on your heart. There's going to be prayer ministers up here uh, to pray with you for anything, any need, any uh, challenge you might be facing, whether it's a need for discernment or whether it's a a physical need for healing or uh, finances, whatever. Uh, There's prayer ministers up here. And I don't know, you know, Peter, I just, you know. It was amazing to hear you pronounce in your amazing accent, incredulity. You know? oh. <laughs> You're welcome. It was, it was, you know, this, that was worth it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, God bless you. Uh, let me pray for you, and we'll commission us out this morning. And, but come, if God is stirring your heart, I just want to invite you to come and receive prayer or have a significant conversation uh, with Peter Bunton this morning or others. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your life. We thank you for your freedom and your joy and your hope. And God, we thank you that you have connected us to an international family. God, we thank you that you've connected us to your family and to your heart. And God, we ask for the anointing to bring others into the kingdom of light. Father, we thank you for the anointing for missions for the nations and also for just down the street. Father, from our homes. We thank you, Father, for the heart to reach others and to be a light and to carry you to others in Jesus' name. We thank you for all that you've given us. And, Father, we thank you for opportunities this week specifically to share your light and your love with other people that we come in contact with in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. Go and have a powerful week. The Lord is with you. Amen. His Word is in your heart and inside of you, and God will lead you this week. Have an anointed and powerful week in the Holy Spirit. God bless you. If you would like prayer, come. If you would like to have a conversation with Peter, come. Amen.